Hello and welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. I'm so glad you're here. In just a moment, we're going to jump into a message from Pastor Roger. But before we do, I want to encourage you, connect with us online. Whether that's following us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, or it's subscribing to our YouTube page or this podcast, do it. We want to stay connected. And another great way you can connect with us is be our guest on a Sunday morning service. If you're here locally, come on out. We want to meet you and connect with you, worship with you. We'd really enjoy that. But without further ado, let's jump into this message from Pastor Roger. everybody. Good to see you in church. Those announcements were amazing until they announced how expensive youth camp is, and it was in that moment that my my heart just dropped to the bottom of my belly. Uh, that's a lot of dollars, but I just I want to say this. I'm going to escalate some timelines. Next week, we will be initiating our Traeger uh, raffle that we do every year, and so uh, if you want a brand new Traeger and you want to look amazing in front of all of your friends as you sling burgers... You can support the youth ministry by buying a raffle ticket, and in doing so, we can make sure none of our parents have to fork out that kind of money. Come on, somebody. Fun. Well, hey, um, welcome to church. Today is Baptism Sunday. It's my favorite, favorite Sunday is Baptism Sunday. And um, honestly, one of my favorite things to preach about is baptism. Um, I just, I love talking about it. It's very important to the church, important part of being part of the body of Christ, and, uh, and so we're excited about that. We, we're in the middle of a collection of messages on this idea of addressing the mess, and last week we talked about addressing the mess of anxiety, stress, nervousness, uh, just the worry that, that sort of pervades. It's like this cloud, this, this fog that just sort of rests in, in our American culture. And if you missed that, feel free to jump online and listen to the podcast. We don't video our services. People always ask us, well, why don't you video our ser- your services? Really two reasons. Uh, number one, it takes a lot more people than we have trained to do it. It's, a kind of a, it's not like something you just show up and do, something you have to know how to do. And the second reason is um, you're here, aren't you? then I need to train you on how to move a camera. All right. (laughs) Hey, um, today I want to talk about addressing the mess that happens um, when we view our walk with God the wrong way. So for me, I I grew up in church. Anybody else grow up in church? Okay, I'll I'll do it this way. Like, God is good. All those people that just said that, all those people that just said, all the time and all the time, God is good. Like those people, those are your church people, okay? They, they, <laughs> you, you guys grew up sleeping under church pews. And I, I, like some of my gr- favorite memories as a little kid, like drawing monsters in my Bible, sleeping on church pews, amazing. But the truth is when you grow up in church, you often have a whole lot of different kind of mess. I remember people would say things like this. I wish I just had a testimony. I wish God had saved me from alcoholism or something. I grew up in church. Um, I want to say you can grow up in church and have a completely different type of mess. And for me, 
the, just from my perspective, just growing up in church, the, the way that I viewed my relationship with God was very much about how I appeared to others, um, very much about my, my physical appearance. As long as I looked the part, I felt like I was probably pleasing to God. It was very much about my church attendance. I, I would feel incredibly guilty anytime I would ever miss a church function of, of any sort. It, it, was, it was very much about as long as I didn't do all the wrong things and I did all the right things, I was going to be okay. Like, like I, I went around like constantly like repenting inside. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like that, like that, this sort of like that, that little constant repentance going on. And it's good. It's good to have a, a posture of repentance towards God, but it's not healthy to view God as, uh, you know, like Thor with a hammer, like just waiting for you to mess up. That's not, that's not what he's like. And so I, I really viewed it very much in this way of like, maybe I just don't belong just constantly. Do I, do I belong? Do I not belong? Do I belong? As a, as a pastor, I, I try to get away and, and spend time with other pastors. I, th- I think it's important as pastors that, that we get around people that know uh, the, sort of the same sort of st- uh, struggles we deal with, the same sort of issues we deal with. You have to have people uh, that love you but aren't impressed with you. And, and so I, I get around other pastors several times a year, and I find that sometimes when I get in those environments when I'm around other people that are leading churches, there's this, even though I'm not like a very, um, I'm not really big on comparison, there's this thing inside of me that just like appears. This this instant thing of like, do I measure up to the people I'm with? Like the the moment I walk in the room, I just feel like, like, am I, like some of these guys are just brilliant. They've written books. They're so smart. They pastor these huge churches and they're, they're doing incredible things or they're, they're teachers at, at uh, seminaries or whatever it might be. And in my mind, I'm starting to think, like, am I good enough to be? I, I feel intimidated sometimes when I get around other people that do what I do, but they do it better. You know? Um, and, and in those moments, I have this pressure to feel like I should be a certain way. I should act a certain way. I should, uh, I should maybe be funnier, be more engaging, be really concerned with what they're saying. It's in those moments that, that I just I struggle because sometimes I feel like I'm 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 needing to be something that I'm not, and that's just not in my nature to really conform to something I'm not. I'm I, I'm really not like that, and it's in those moments when when you know they're 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 you know, from the South, and they have this amazing, calming Southern accent, and I'm from, like, Alaska and Canada, and, like, nothing cool about that accent, and, you know, they're, they're usually in really good shape, and I'm just like, you guys, how do you stay in, like, how do you do that? And, and, and they're usually, pastors are usually dressed nice. Like, traditionally, pastors would wear a suit, right? Uh, that's kind of like when you think of a, a traditional pastor, he's wearing a suit, and uh, for me, I grew up in church that wore a suit, and so for me, I said, I'm going to pastor the church I want to attend, and that church, I don't wear suits unless I want to wear a suit, so, so I don't normally wear a suit unless it's Easter or my mom's here, uh, and so today I feel really awkward because my mom's here, <laughs> but it's, it's in those moments when, you know, they, they've got nice clothes, they've got brand name shoes, and... And they just appear really successful. There's this thing in me, even though I resist that, there's this thing in me that is just like, man, I just don't think 
we're the same. Because for me, like the, my, my number one requirement when I'm buying clothing is this. Is it on sale? Amen. I like to dress nice, but I like to dress nice for cheap, okay? People be like, you got so many different kinds of shoes. They all cost $30. That's why because of an amazing thing called the clearance rack at the Nordstrom Rack. The clearance rack is the clearance of the clearance. Like, that's how you shop. Like, every pair of jeans that I own is from Target. Goodfellow, or whatever they call it, the Goodfellow jeans from Target. It's amazing jeans. They last a long time. You get them in every color you want, and they cost $30. Like, that's... And so when I get in environments where, where people are wearing designer clothes, it's it just, sometimes I wonder, do I, do I belong here? Do I fit in with what's going on right now. And in those moments, there's two things going on. One is a very positive thing, and that is this, a desire inside of me to belong. We should all have a desire to belong. But there's also a negative thing, and the negative thing is that I don't feel as though I fit in. So I want to belong, but I don't feel as though I fit in. And and because of that conflict, what happens is I often disengage from what's going on in the conversation or I disengage from the stories or the laughter or whatever it is. And I begin becoming more focused on uh, worrying about whether or not what I say is valuable enough to hold somebody's attention or I begin worrying about am I funny enough or am I laughing too hard or, or like do I look okay or does my breath smell? You know... You, it's in those moments where you just become completely uh, derailed by worrying about what someone else does or doesn't accept you into. And I think it goes a step beyond this desire to belong. It goes to this question, or I guess it's really not a question, it's a statement that we all desire to belong to God. And we all desire to belong with his people. But, but my question is, what does God require for us to belong to him? What does God expect for us to belong to his people? Does he expect us to dress a certain way? Does he expect us to talk a certain way? Does he expect us to avoid certain things? Does, and like, what does, like this tank of water, what does this have to do, like what does getting wet have to do with belonging to God? Like how does that even go into the whole thing of belonging to God? There was one of Jesus's uh, he was, uh, the Bible calls him an apostle out of due season. He, he was a follower of Jesus, but he kind of missed his prime moment with Jesus. He was out of season. Anybody have something that's out of season, but it was still good? His name is Paul, and, and when, when the early church was beginning, Paul was very against Christianity, very against followers of Jesus. In fact, he was so oppositional towards the movement of Christianity that the earliest recording of this man, his name was Saul, and the earliest recording is him participating in the murders of Christians. And Jesus reaches out to this man who was, who was out, the Bible says, as he was like, he was like spewing hatred and murder was on his lips. The, the Bible tells us that God reaches out to him this man that is completely against Christ, and he brings him into the household of faith. Like, that's an incredible, I just want you to know, like, 
you think that what you did last night keeps you away from God? He killed people. He killed people. And he was still brought into the family of Christ. Isn't that a good thing? There's hope for you. Somebody's like, he knows. And he becomes very, as, as intense as he was against Jesus, he becomes that intense for Jesus. And one of the very first books of the Bible, likely the very first written text of the New Testament is Galatians. It's this book he wrote, uh, and he is, he's on fire for Jesus. He's, he's actually angry in a, in a, in a story. He's, he's mad. Like he, it's one of those, you ever write an email to somebody, and then after you read it, you, after you write it, you read it, and you're like, delete. <laughs> I don't need it. Except he sent it. Like he, Paul sends the email. It's called the book of Galatians. And, and so in this book, he's, he comes after Peter. We talked about him the last couple weeks. He comes after Peter and he's like, Peter, you're missing the point. He, he's really just kind of coming down hard. He calls the Galatians. It's a city. He says, you guys are foolish. You foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you? He said, you're all under a spell. Can you imagine if I got up here and I, that's how I started my message with you? You foolish nampins. <laughs> right? That's how he starts the letter. And here's what he says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 23. He's going to talk about belonging. He says this. Before the way of faith in Christ, so there is a way called faith in Christ. Before that way was available to us, we were placed under guard by the law. We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was Revealed. So he's saying this, before the idea of faith in Christ appeared, we were kept under lock and key. We were kept in, uh, we were kept in line, so to speak, by another way called the law. And the law is not some sort of abstract concept of what God does or doesn't want. But what the law is is this, it is essentially God outlining all, all the things that separate us from him or all the things that draw us close to him. He, he outlines them because each one of us, we have an internal sense of what is and isn't the law, don't we? I've got three people that agree. The truth is, I don't have to tell you that you have sinned. I don't even have to name your sin. There is something inside of you that recognizes when something is right and when it is wrong. When I was in kindergarten, I, uh, I attended a school called Baranoff, uh, I think Baranoff Elementary is what, was the name of it. And, and when, when I was there, we were doing basketball one day. Now, we didn't have our normal teacher we had a student teacher in, and the student teacher was dressed really nice. His hair was gelled, uh, and he was wearing white slacks. Now, this is Sitka, Alaska. Sitka is one of the most rainy places on the entire planet. I grew up thinking the world was wet all the time, just like you never had dry clothes. Like, you're always wet. And, and we're playing basketball outside. And remember, I grew up in a church environment, and I was sort of this religious little kid. And, and I remember thinking in my mind, because this is how, how great I was with God, I remember thinking, because this guy has gel in his hair and because he's wearing white slacks, he must have a pride issue, and I need to take him down just a little bit. Like, I need to, I think the Lord is using me to minister to this man who's struggling with pride. And so uh, as we're playing basketball, I remember there was a, a mud puddle behind him in the middle of the basketball court, and I ran up, and I 
boom, just splashed him so good. Like the entire back of his white jeans are just covered in mud. And he turns around and he says, who did that? And, and there I am. I'm the, the only kid standing there. I said, it wasn't me. <laughs> it wasn't. He's like, you're out of the game. He said, you're going to go sit on the curb and you're going to wait till we're done for the rest of the rest of recess. And he made me sit. And I, I remember sitting on the curb just grumbling. I was just like, how, how, how can he, at first, it's like, how can he be mad at me? He can't even prove I did it. <laughs> He's like, he, he doesn't know if I did this or not. And, and the more, more I grumbled, the more I kind of, Con, you know, conceded, and I, I, I was like, well, but here's the deal. Like, I was helping him because he has a pride issue, and, and I'm, I'm, like, I'm the, the hand of God ministering to him right now. I'm being persecuted. Like, this is... But the truth is, the entire time I grumbled, I knew that what I had done was wrong. You don't have it posted on the fence here that you, thou shalt not splash thine teacher... With the mud puddle. You didn't have it posted, but I knew, like, that doesn't have to be a rule in the school policy book. I knew it was wrong. But there are other times when there are things posted, and I still break it. The other day, I was, I was driving down Caldwell Boulevard. And as I was driving down Caldwell Boulevard, I passed where the griddle and the egg, fa- or the, the egg factory is. And I was coming down, going from uh, what, east to west, and as I'm coming... This, this guy rudely interrupted my nice afternoon drive. Red and blue lights turn on behind me. And I'm like, are you serious? I'm minding my own business. I'm just driving here. You know, he pull, pulls me over and I pull into the parking lot of Walgreens. And he says, uh, he says, do you know why I pulled you over? I said, yeah, I'm speeding. He said, exactly. <laughs> and I was like, but do you understand why I was speeding, right? Like, I'm, I'm a minister of, of the Lord. Like, I'm... The Bible says that whatever you do, do it with haste. And so I'm, I'm, I'm doing the work of God. Like, you don't want to interfere. Ah, thou shalt not touch the Lord's anointed. Ah, you know. And he's like, hey, that's all great, but here's your ticket. <laughs> and I got a ticket. Because here's the deal with, with the law. We really approach the law in two ways. One, when we first begin driving, we pay attention to speed limits, don't we? We really, we notice them. You, you, when you first drive, you're looking, you're always doing the speed limit. But, but the longer you drive, you've been driving for 10 or 15 years, you, you, your mind goes back to this one statement that was in the DMV test, and it says this, that you need to drive at, at like the pace that is reasonable for the conditions. And so you kind of ignore the speed limits, and you drive how things should be, you should be going this, this speed. Because... When, when, we're, when we're not breaking laws, we sort of ignore laws. It's in the moment when we get pulled over, when we're called to account that we've broken a law, it's in that moment we begin sweating it. We begin spitting out excuse, excuses as to why this or why. Like, like we're super good. Like, like we, we just kind of do our thing, but it's the moment we're called to account for, for maybe being too harsh with our children. It's in those moments that we say, but you don't understand. I've just had a really bad day. Like, I've just been really stressed out lately. But the truth is, like, it's not their fault at all. So Paul calls us, and he says, before we could obey Christ, I, I accidentally started my, my timer and stopped it, so you're getting like an extra quite a while. 
God's laws are like speed limits. They're like signs along the road of life that tell us where the boundary is that gets us outside of good grace with God. They don't bring us close to God. They just identify when we're separating ourselves from God. And the truth is, according to Scripture, that even if you could obey every speed limit, every moral law, every spirit law that God placed in your life, you still couldn't obey it. Because even if you measured up to the full measure of the law, and you were the one that, like, you dotted every I, and you crossed every T, and you were just this incredible person, you know what happens when we get like that? We begin looking down our nose towards someone who can't get every law right, and in that moment, we are now breaking another one of God's laws. Because the laws point out when we do something wrong. They, they keep us on our toes. They show us when we're outside. Let me explain how Christianity works. It works like this. Through Jesus, he has fulfilled the law. So through faith in Jesus Christ, you have two options. You can either have faith in Jesus Christ or you can fulfill all of the laws. Those are your options. It's not part of the laws and Jesus. It's all of the laws or Jesus. Those are your two options. You've got two choices. Can I, can I say this again? You can do all of the laws, or you can obey, or you can believe in Jesus. The law was like this. The law was like a fence that God erected that kept the bad people out and the good people in. The problem is there's no gate. There, there's no way to cross from bad to good. There's no way to get back inside the fence. This is why when Jesus comes, he says, I am the gate, like I, I, I'm the, the guardian of the door. I'm the new opening in the law that gets from bad back to good. He says, I'm the one that creates a new way. And if you're here today and you're like, but pastor, you, don't, you know, like I, I really don't have a problem with this because I'm generally a great person. You know, I had this pastor friend that uh, would get up and on many occasions I would hear him get up and he would say this, when I got, saved, I got saved 35 years ago, and since that day, I have never knowingly sinned. Can I just tell you, like, like that may be your story, but 1 John chapter 1 tells us that if that is your cause, like if you're saying you've never sinned, then the Bible says that you are calling God a liar and the truth is not in you. We're not like saints and sinners. We're all sinners. It's not like good people and bad people. We're all people struggling with things in our life that draw us away from God. That's the point of the law. It simply identifies where we fall short in the things of God. So when we have Jesus in our life, it is as if we had kept the entire law, no matter how many of the laws you broke. It's as if you'd never broken a rule, even though you still break occasional rules. Galatians chapter 3 goes on in the next verse, and it says this. Let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. So the purpose of the law was not to make you right. It was to keep you until a moment, and here it is, and now that the, the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian. 
This is the real difference between religion and Jesus. In religion, we behave in order to belong. Maybe you grew up in a church environment like that, where in order to belong, you had to behave. That's religion. In Jesus, it's different. In Jesus, we believe in order to belong. Let me say it like this. Faith in Jesus plus absolutely nothing makes us right with God. Like that's really good news. Because there's a lot of things that separate us from God. But faith in Jesus plus nothing else makes you right with God. It's not faith in Jesus plus obeying the speed limit. It's faith in Jesus and I'm right with God. And, and Jesus isn't like that weird cousin that like takes you down into the basement and he's like opening up the chest freezer and like, hey, it's, it's all right. Don't worry about it. Like eat some of, dad, eat some of my dad's, you know, his, his venison jerky. Eat, eat some venison pepperoni. Let's, let's dig into my dad's treasure chest here of, of special meat. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Like that's, Jesus isn't, he's not like excusing the problems. He's not like, sweeping our failures or the moments where we fall short. He's not sweeping them under the rug. He's not ignoring them. In fact, he looks at them head on. This is the purpose of the cross. This is what he does at the cross. He, he doesn't like turn away from your sin. In fact, he humbles himself to the point of a man. He humbles himself to the point of a cross and he receives all the shame and all the punishment that you and I should receive based on our failings into himself. He who knew no sin became sin so that we might be right with Christ or be right with God. And in that moment, he puts the penalty for anything we've done wrong on the cross and allows for you and I to be right with God. I'm just saying, like, you don't have to behave your way into belonging in the church. You don't have to behave your way to belonging with God. Faith in God makes you belong to God. It goes on the next verse, verse 26, it says it like this. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Can I say that you may feel inside like, man, I'm far from God. But just because you make a mistake doesn't mean your family disowns you. If, if I disowned my children every time they disappointed me, I, I would be a horrible father. But you serve a good father. You, you live for a good father who does not disown you. In fact, it really doesn't matter what your family issues are, what your dysfunction is, what your brokenness is, what unkept rule you keep struggling with, how much fatherlessness you experience in your life. If you believe in Jesus, you belong to God. Let me say it again. Believing leads to belonging. So what next? What do you do if you belong by simply believing? Have you ever been in, a, in an environment where you were underdressed? 
Have you ever showed up at a summer wedding thinking that because it was summer, you would be wearing shorts and sandals? And then when you showed up, you realized, no, this one's a fancy one outside in 100 degrees, people. Think about the preacher when you're planning your wedding. This was a, a and you show up and you're in your shorts and everybody else is dressed to the nines. Has anybody ever been there? Or, or it's like, the, like those moments like you're in school and you didn't realize it was a casual Friday, you know? And like you showed up in your nice clothes, but everybody else wearing sweatpants to school. Like it's in those moments when, when we wish we had had the memo. Like all you had to do is include a tagline that said, dress nice. Dress nice. Because the truth is this, is that some of us have believed in Jesus and therefore we belong to him, but our wardrobe has not caught up to what we believe yet. And I actually don't mean your physical clothing. I don't mean your shirt and I don't mean your pants. What I mean is that in the very next verse of Galatians chapter 3, verse 27, it says it like this. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. Believing in Jesus plus nothing makes us right with God and uniting with him through baptism gives us a wardrobe that catches up with our position in God. It clothes us in Christ. So internally, we're already right with Christ. And now you're dressed for the moment. You're never out of, out of like alignment with how you're supposed to look. You have the memo. You've received the message. The message is, I believe in, believe in him. I belong to him. And if I belong to him, I should be clothed in him. So believing leads to belonging. And belonging leads to baptism. It's in that moment that you are, when you're baptized, you are, you are united not just with Christ, but with believers throughout centuries and believers across the globe, people of every shape and color and size, every ethnicity, every religious system, all are, are, are not religious, every, every political system, people of all sorts who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ and have followed him in baptism. And in that moment, you are united with the body of Christ Everywhere. And when we're baptized, we're now wearing the clothes. We got the memo. We, we got it right. So let me say it like this. You may walk towards the waters of baptism. You may come towards the waters of baptism in jeans or in paint-speckled, dirty sweatpants. Or you may be wearing a cute jumper and all that. Or you may be wearing your Sunday best. Or for you, maybe you brought swimming trunks, but what I'm saying is when you come back out of the waters of baptism, you have been clothed in Christ and you are dressed for the occasion. No matter what life throws at you, you are dressed for the occasion. My, my brother-in-law, Nathan, so my, my wife's family, uh, they, they like nice clothes and stuff. And, and I used to go to a, a church that uh, was very much formal all the time. So I'd always wear a suit. Again, this is why I don't wear suits because I got to make that choice. And so, but I remember my brother-in-law, Nathan, when I'd visit him, he'd, he'd, he'd be like, hey, I got you something. And he'd always be like a couple nice pairs of dress shoes. 
Because you can't be wearing sneakers with a suit. You know what I'm saying? Okay. He'd give me this nice dress, and people would be like, man, those shoes are so nice. Where'd you get them? And I'd be like, guess what? Like, I didn't even buy these shoes. These were a gift. And what I'm saying is this. What I'm really saying is these shoes, they are nice. Don't get me. They're nice. They're, they're great. But guess what? Someone loved me, and someone could afford them, and they gave them to me. Like, like I'm, I'm not going to just put them on a shelf in the back somewhere because someone that loved me and someone that could afford them bought them for me. So I'm going to wear them all the time because they're more than just a pair of shoes now. They're a symbol of someone's love for me and someone's ability to buy something I couldn't buy myself. Like, like that's something I'm going to wear. And let me say this, like this is what baptism is, church. This is the one that loves you and the one that could afford it. He bought you a brand new wardrobe, and that wardrobe is called being clothed in Christ. And that's a special thing. It's not just something we do as believers. It is part of our walk with God. It is an absolute honor to wear the wardrobe of being clothed in Jesus Christ. So I'm not hiding it on a shelf somewhere. I'm not putting it at the back of a closet. I'm going to wear the gift. So the band would come. Galatians chapter 3 verse 29 says it like this. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs. And God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. This is an interesting statement. He says, basically, when you are baptized, you, you, are, you are now clothed in Christ, and the promises of Abraham belong to you. Abraham was an ancient man. In fact, he's a very significant figure in three of the world's greatest religions, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. Abraham was a man that the Bible tells us when he was old, God called him to a new place. And God gives him these promises. God says, Abraham, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you as many children as there are sands in the, on the sea. I'm going to give you as many children as there are stars in the sky. And then the Bible makes this amazing statement. It says, and Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him or counted for him as righteousness. And why that's so important is Abraham was impotent. Like him and his wife couldn't have children, whether it's her or him. Whatever. The point was he was unable to have children. He wasn't able to fulfill what God was asking for him, but it was simply in the act of saying, God, I believe what you're saying. I trust you that God says, Abraham, you may not have done it yet, but I'm going to give you righteousness on credit. And what happens is, as Abraham, the Bible calls him the father of faith. But during Jesus' day, there were people who would, who would go around and try to tell people and convince people that they were the true children of Abraham because of what they did. I'm a true child of Abraham because I keep all of the laws. I never break the rules. And does somebody understand why this does not make sense? 
Because what made Abraham right was not that he got it all right. It was that he believed and it was counted as righteousness. So when Jesus shows up on the scene, Jesus tells those people, he said, you search the scriptures because in them you, you think you've got it all figured out, but they testify of me. Jesus is bringing them back to this truth When you are baptized, when you believe in God, you now become the true sons and daughters of Abraham. The promise of Abraham wasn't just that he would have kids. It was that all nations of the world would be blessed through him. Is that everybody around him would be encouraged and blessed simply by him being there. Can I tell you today, that's God's plan for you. That you would believe and you would belong. That you would go beyond that because believing leads to belonging. And belonging leads to baptism. And baptism leads to behavior. Not I'm not saying like following a bunch of rules and doing all the do's and the don'ts and avoiding the spiritual police. But I'm saying hearts that are transformed by God. Because the real question is this. If you lived in a world where there were no laws, if you lived in a world where there were no rules, how would you then live? Because that's what Jesus offers us. He says, I've, I've accomplished this. How do you live when he says, you don't need to behave to belong? And the real question comes back to this. It depends on how well I know the heart of the one that wrote the rules in the first place. Because if I don't know him well, I'm going to think that now this is a liberty for me to live however I want. But if I know his heart, I'm going to understand the why behind why he calls me to live a certain way. I'm going to desire more of him in my life. And this is what's so amazing about Abraham is he's the father of faith. And yet we know he lived by faith because of what he did, not just what he believed. Because everything God called him to do, he stepped out on, didn't always get it right but he stepped out on it. And I'm just telling you today that there are, there are some people in the room today that, that you've just been wondering, how do I live this thing out? And how you live it out is not by chasing a list of do's and don'ts and what you should and shouldn't do. It's by chasing the heart of God. It's by finding the true love of God that searches you out and finds you. And as you know him and as you are known by him, he will transform things inside of you. And what you used to do, you'll stop doing it, not because some preacher wagged his finger at you, but because the heart of God is being displayed in your life. So I'm saying if you want true transformation today, it does not come through rules. It does come through knowing the heart of God. So there are three people today. There's some of you that for you, you need to believe in Jesus Christ today.
and in believing in him, I promise you will be made right with God. And in that very moment, you will belong to what the Bible calls the household of faith. And that is a great thing, to know you belong. And there are people here today that you are ready. You believe, but you, you have not been clothed. And sometimes you feel like you don't fit in. And I'm telling you, your next step, if you already believe, you belong. And your next step is baptism, to be clothed in Christ. And for some of you, you've believed and you've been baptized. And your next step is to pursue the heart of God with everything you have and allow him to speak to you and change you. Allow him to transform those hard, cold parts of our lives. Allow him to move in and through you because his hope and his promise is that everyone you encounter would be blessed through you. Would you stand with me all across the room? Maybe ever just put your heads down, kind of give somebody next to you a little bit of privacy. I'm going to say this. If you're in the room today and you recognize that your next step is to believe in Jesus Christ so that you can belong to him, if that's you, would you raise your hand so I can see you? Come on. That's good. I see that. Not jumping through hoops, just believing in Jesus. I see that. Here's what we're going to do. We're just going to repent and believe. Repent means we turn away from the things in our life that don't please God. And we're going to believe in his death, burial, and resurrection. Join me like this. God, right now, I'm sorry for the things in my life that I know don't please you. Especially the way I thought you were all about the rules. I'm turning away from thinking that way right now. Lord, would you forgive me? I believe that Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose again on the third day. Right now in this moment, I'm making him the Lord of my life. Say these words with me. Jesus, be the Lord of my life, and I will follow you every day that I live. Come on, church family. There's a few people that just made the biggest, most important decision of their life. Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to today's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.thecelebration.church to find out more. Well, we love you guys, and let's continue to love God, love people, and change the world.